You're listening to another episode of Living Well with Eisenhower Health. Healthcare as it should be. Here's Bill Klaproth. There are 29 bones, 29 joints, 123 ligaments, 34 muscles, and 48 nerves in your hand. So what could go wrong? Here to talk with us about getting a handle on hand and wrist injuries is Dr. Stephen O'Connell and Dr. Jacob Bosley, orthopedic surgeons with Eisenhower Desert Orthopedic Center, both specializing in the hand, wrist, and upper extremity, and both fellowship trained in hand and micro surgery. Dr. O'Connell and Dr. Bosley, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Dr. O'Connell, let's start with you. So hands and wrists are complex structures. Can you explain what hand surgery involves? Well, as you previously noted, the hand is very, very complicated, and uh, the surgery for it very sophisticated, and usually done by a fellowship-trained hand surgeon. The reason for that is hand surgery has to combine the skills of orthopedic surgery, vascular surgery, neurosurgery, as well as plastic surgeries. We, uh, we tend to take care of bones, joints, ligaments, tendons, microsurgery of blood vessels and digital nerves, as well as complex orthopedic uh, injuries, uh, fractures, and ligament reconstructions. So it's a combination of many surgical specialties that uh, uh, Dr. Bosley and I were fortunate enough to spend some time and learn well, and that's what we provide at Desert Orthopedic Center. Very complex, very involved. And Dr. O'Connell, let's stick with you. Many people may not realize that hand injuries are one of the most common injuries seen in emergency departments. Why is there such a high incidence of hand injuries and what are some of those specifically? Well, actually 25% of athletic injuries involve the hand or wrist and about 40% of injuries in an emergency room uh, typically involve hand and wrist injuries. But you think about it, you know, the hands are, is our connection to the world. I mean, it's part of our personality. We use it for communication, for discussion, for touching. So we putting our hands in positions to help us either working or in play in sports. So hand injuries are very common, whether they're lacerations uh, or traumatic injuries with falls. But when we need our hands to provide the activities we do from day to day, they're really in danger of being injured. And therefore, we end up seeing many, many hand injuries. And fortunately, and many can be reconstructed and get people back to their normal activity. And Dr. O'Connell, you just mentioned wrist injuries. Dr. Bosley, let's bring you in. Can you tell us about treating wrist fractures and what are the options and are there ways to prevent wrist fractures? Uh, sure. Um, wrist fractures are a very common uh, injury, um, probably one of the most common injuries that Dr. O'Connell and myself see. Um, and we see them from little tiny children all the way to uh, very elderly patients. Um, the most common thing that happens is just some type of a fall uh, onto an outstretched wrist. Um, it's pretty hard to prevent yourself from falling um, just because we encourage people to be active and do things. Um, but the best thing that we can do per uh, prevention of wrist fractures is maintaining the bone health or maintaining our bone density. Um, a lot of the fractures that um, Dr. O'Connell and I see are in patients that have osteoporosis. Um, while we enjoy taking care of wrist fractures, um, preventing them is always um, helpful. Um, excuse me, is helpful to the patients. Um, so maintaining exercise is actually helpful for building the bone density. Uh, as well as maintaining a health, healthy diet with calcium and vitamin D in them. Um, we know 
that uh, white females in particular are particularly prone to, uh, to osteoporosis, and there are medications that can be taken in addition to vitamin D and calcium supplementation to help maintain the bone density. And Dr. Bosley, a quick follow-up. How do you treat most wrist injuries, and how often do you need to perform surgery? So it all depends upon how the, uh, the, how the fracture occurs, um, what the fracture pattern is. Uh, I would say that um, a lot of them can, in fact, be treated with casting and a type of ischemia. Uh, with the time of immobilization, the bone is able to go and heal itself as long as it's in a good position. Uh, the ones that Dr. O'Connell and I need to get involved in um, with surgery are ones where there's a lot of angulation or else there's a lot of comminution, meaning the bone is broken into several different pieces in which we need to go in and piece things back together to match the normal anatomy so that we can restore normal function to the, to the wrist as well as to the hand. And Dr. O'Connell, how important then is rehabilitation after treatment for a finger fracture or wrist fracture? Are these the type of injuries people feel residual pain for years later, or do they tend to heal and be a thing of the past? Well, many times people will focus on the fracture itself. But what I like to tell them is you throw a rock in the pool and there's a big ripple away. There's a larger zone of injury than just the bone itself. So the same energy that broke that bone had to go through the skin and the subcutaneous tissue and the tendons and the nerves and the arteries. The soft tissue envelope absorbs the same force that bone did. So if we, if the bone is in good alignment, we may be able to immobilize it briefly and then start therapy and exercises. If it's very displaced, like Dr. Bosley's saying, we may put a plate and screws, get it aligned. A lot of times the nice thing about fixing the fractures with internal fixation is it gives the fracture enough stability that we can start early motion and early rehabilitation of the soft tissues. Most of the time, the fracture heals in good position, either if we fix it or if we chose to leave it in good position that it was initially. But the most important thing is rehabilitation, getting the soft tissue structures moving. The hand is so complicated, and everything is typically moving in a frictionless environment. When you break the bone or you cut the tendon and there's bleeding, that'll tend to scar and limit the excursion of the tendons and therefore the motion. So we like to get people moving as quick as possible. And it's usually under the guidance of a certified hand therapist. Uh, unfortunately, at Desiree Pedic Center, we're very fortunate to have four certified hand therapists, three of which have been presidents of their societies here in California. So we offer the surgical intervention and or non-surgical intervention and also really good rehabilitation for the total package of taking care of the hand and returning it back to its uh, normal function. Most people get good recovery with uh, very limited residual function most of the time. Obviously, in very severe injuries, there may be some limitation of function that could be permanent. Very good. And Dr. O'Connell, how about arthritis then? Many people begin feeling some arthritis in their hands, particularly in the thumb joint as they age. Can you explain what's happening when arthritis develops? What is causing the pain and are there any easy stretches or other things people can do to help improve that pain? Well, uh, arthritis in the base of the thumb uh, uh, occurs uh, in women a little bit more than men, about actually about three times as, as frequently. But it's interesting, when, when you pinch the thumb against the index and you pinch 20 pounds per square inch, it 
translates to 240 pounds per square inch at the base of your thumb. 12 times your pin strength is the load at the base of your thumb. So the base of the thumb has tremendous force across it when we're pinching, grabbing, opening jars. So the joint tends to stretch out the ligaments that stabilize that joint as it becomes arthritic. So when we load the joint with tremendous force, frequently have the typical dull, aching pain like any arthritic joint, but specifically the base of the thumb, we tend to get some instability where the thumb loosens and is a little bit unstable, and that gives people a lot of really sharp pain when they grab and pinch. And so that's probably the most common area of arthritis that we uh, uh, see, most of the time treated with splinting or anti-inflammatory medications, modifying the activity, uh, corticosteroid injections. Sometimes we'll do stem cell injections or PRP or amnion injections. And if all else fails and people have intolerable discomfort, then we do a joint replacement at the base of the thumb, which is very successful operation, but takes about three months to recover from. So it's only uh, used for the people with intolerable pain and dysfunction. Wow, that's very interesting. I never knew that type of force was put on the base of the thumb. And Dr. Bosley, I know that you see many cases of carpal tunnel syndrome. How does it develop and how do you diagnose that to be sure that the pain isn't actually coming from the elbow joint since people often feel carpal tunnel in places other than their wrist or hand? Um, yes, carpal tunnel is a very common uh, diagnosis uh, that we treat. Uh, the carpal tunnel is, is actually a tunnel at the base of the wrist. I like to tell patients that it's where uh, things bottleneck as the tendons and the median nerve are coming from your forearm and passing up and into your fingers to give sensation uh, to the tips of your fingers. Um, as those tendons become inflamed, and sometimes that's from overuse, sometimes it's because the, the ligament that is the top of the tunnel can thicken. There are a variety of different conditions that can lead to um, compression of the nerve as it passes through that tunnel. Classically, that gives numbness and tingling into the, the thumb, the index finger, and the long finger. Um, other classic symptoms are that it uh, can wake you up at night. It can bother you more while you're driving or while you're holding on to, or excuse me, while you're um, pinching something for a prolonged period of time. Carpal tunnel syndrome can have a variety of different other appearances, but that's sort of the classic, and by knowing the classic ones are how we sort of solve out when that is, in fact, coming from carpal tunnel versus other locations in which a nerve can be pinched and uh, give people pain into their hand. And Dr. Bosley, then, for people that are experiencing that pain, what are the conservative treatment options to address that? Um, so one of the first conservative things that we like to do for carpal tunnel syndrome uh, are bracing at night. Uh, a lot of us sleep with our wrists in a flex position or with our wrists extended, and that uh, has been shown to be a position in which it, the nerve gets pinched as it's coming through that tunnel at the base of our palm and leads to the numbness and tingling, which then leads to folks waking up with those complaints of numbness and tingling into their fingers. If we brace uh, the wrist at night, that helps hold it in a neutral position and keep the nerve from getting pinched. If symptoms persist beyond that, um, oftentimes we'll add a cortisone injection into the carpal tunnel, um, which I'd like to give the best analogy of that is uh, like taking um, 100 Advil and putting them right into the spot where the inflammation is occurring, calming down inflammation within that carpal tunnel, which thereby gives more room for the nerve and calms down, uh, it's gonna be calms down that swelling and then gets the numbness and tingling to resolve. All right, good to know. Hold the wrist in a neutral position when sleeping. I'm going to try that tonight. Great tip. And Dr. O'Connell, when do you know it's time for surgery, and what does that look like? Are there multiple approaches to surgically correct the condition? Well, 
depends on how long the person's had the problems and uh, also how severe they are. Most people that come in the office, they've had symptoms for you know less than a year. The typical waking up at night when they drive a car, hold a book, talk on the phone, their hand falls asleep. Well, if they're have a normal exam, no evidence of wasting of the muscle at the base of the thumb, because not only does the nerve give sensation to the fingers, it powers the muscle at the bases of your thumb, the thenar muscles. In the end stages, you see those muscles are wasted away. There's a t- uh, uh, a little test we do called two point discrimination, where we see the person's ability to tell one and two points at the end the fingers, if the people are unable to do that, we know that those people already have some permanent nerve damage. I usually move those people right to surgery. I'd say that's a minority of people that come in, maybe 20, 15, 20%. Most people have the symptoms, but a relatively normal examination. We like to treat them with splinting or anti-inflammatory medicines, particularly like a corticosteroid injection in the carpal tunnel. What that does, it shrinks the swollen tissue around the nerve and gives the nerve more room. If the pressure on the nerve is the problem, those people always get better. The interesting thing about it is it predicts your surgical outcome because the surgery cuts the ligament, opens the tunnel, gives the nerve more room. So then the, uh, the, anesthetic, the anesthetic and corticosteroid does chemically what the surgery does mechanically, and usually the corticosteroid injection is prognostic. So I'll inject those people, have them come back six, eight weeks later. If they say, Steve, I was great for two months, now it's back. I can almost guarantee that person they're going to do great with the surgery. And now the surgery we do is uh, both uh, Dr. Bosley and I do a very minimally invasive technique. Either we can do it endoscopically in certain cases, or we do a very mini open approach from the palm, about two stitches worth. We also frequently do carpal tunnels or trigger fingers in some of the minor surgeries in a uh, in a technique called wide awake local anesthetic with no tourniquet, meaning we do local anesthetic uh, with some uh, epinephrine to shrink the blood vessels so that there's no bleeding involved and the patient can be wide awake while we do the surgery. Uh, all these operations, carpal tunnels, trigger fingers, some of the basic operations, they're very brief operations, five, 10 minutes, people go home the same day with a very short recovery period and a high success rate. Well, that's good to know about being wide awake when doing the surgery. And Dr. Bosley, if you could wrap it up for us, Dr. O'Connell just mentioned trigger finger as well. Can you explain how someone might develop trigger finger? What are the risks for developing it and what does it look like? Is there a treatment that permanently resolves the issue or is surgery the only option? Um, so trigger finger is an inflammation of the tendon that flexes the finger. And as the tendon gets um, inflamed, it has difficulty passing through a little tube or a sheath that's at the base of the finger that extends out the length of the finger. And um, classically, when people make a fist and then go in to bring their fingers out into extension, uh, a finger will get stuck down in a flexed position. And they have to kind of really focus on it, and then the finger will pop or snap as it comes out into flexion. Um, the biggest things associated with that are diabetes um, and rheumatoid arthritis. Diabetic patients are about four times more likely to develop trigger finger in comparison to the normal population. And trigger finger is fairly common even in just a, a general population. Um, there is a number of different treatment options that we can do uh, to keep people from needing surgery on this that we can actually, this is a uh, 
problem that we often see in the office that can be solved with something even short of surgery and often teams get it to completely resolve. If we catch this early, sometimes anti-inflammatories or a brief period of um, bracing will get the tendon to swell, the swelling to come down and for the condition to resolve. Uh, another con- um, treatment option that Steve and I both like is injecting of the finger with cortisone. Uh, injections are very uh, successful at treating trigger fingers, and it's about 70% of patients with one uh, injection of cortisone into that sheath around the, t- around the tendon. We usually can get the uh, symptoms to completely resolve and subside completely. Those folks that don't have complete resolution with a cortisone injection, or if they get injected and it resolves and then comes back, those are the ones that we're typically taking uh, to surgery. Well, this has been very, very informative. While the hand and wrist, very complex, and uh, the treatment and surgery options are varied, and uh, it's very interesting to hear uh, both of you talk about hand and wrist injuries. So thank you so much for spending some time with us. And for more information about Eisenhower Desert Orthopedic Center or to make an appointment, please visit eisenhowerhealth.org slash E-D-O-C. That's eisenhowerhealth.org slash E-D-O-C, or you can call 760-773-4545. That's 760-773-4545. This is Living Well with Eisenhower Health. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.